the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, here on Abounding Grace, we are continuing our look at Galatians chapter 3 and a message called the Gospel of the Entire Bible. Join us and be encouraged in Christ next on Abounding Grace. Coming to you from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. We welcome you to the program, invite you to join us. We are continuing our journey through Galatians. Today, we're back in chapter 3 and the first 14 verses in a message that Gary has simply entitled, The Gospel of the Entire Bible. We're into part two of this look at the gospel. Join us. Here's Pastor Gary and today's program. The Gospel of the Entire Bible, Part 2. Most critics of the Bible believe that the Old Testament and New Testament teach different ways to be accepted with God. The Old Testament teaching that to be accepted with God and to receive salvation is by your works of obedience to the law of God. While in the New Testament... It is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, thus far in Galatians, has taught us that the true gospel is what it is and how there is no salvation outside the gospel of sovereign grace, which is so clearly and plainly taught throughout the New Testament. And as we began to look at this last week, Paul also goes on this week and explains that there is no difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament as to how a person is justified and redeemed. And that is through the salvific work of Christ. Man plays no part whatsoever. Paul, who received the gospel truths from Jesus Christ himself, has, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit explained the gospel message to us in the seven basic tenets of the gospel, and he has shown us the importance of not modifying or altering the gospel in any way. In fact, he has told us that if anyone changes the one true gospel in any way, he will be cursed by God. Because to change any of these seven basic tenets makes it no gospel at all, which is good news from God about God, and he will then be doomed to hell. And now Paul is going to show us that all the way back to Genesis, you see this great doctrine, not a doctrine of works, Not a doctrine of merit, but salvation by faith. So he quotes Moses. Now, 
This is important too, because not only is he referring to Abraham, as we saw last week, but now he is quoting Moses. And Moses was also a very important guy in Judaism, because Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant. Moses was the one who wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Mosaic Law and Covenant, to which all of these successive books of the Old Testament point and call people to repent of their sins and go back to the way of life set forth in the Mosaic legislation. And now Paul is quoting Moses himself, who was the mouthpiece of Jehovah about Abraham, the one to whom the covenant was made. And it says in Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned or imputed or credited to him as righteousness. Here Moses testifies that the way in which Abraham was rightly accepted with God And he was accepted with Jehovah through faith alone. You read the story of Abraham and the whole focus of his life was on faith. Abraham put his faith in God. And God credited that faith to Abraham's account as righteousness and therefore accepted Abraham as his child. Abraham's faith didn't make him righteous. Nothing Abraham did made him righteous. Rather, God credited his faith to him as righteousness. That is, when he put his faith in God, that put that sinful believer in a position where the judge of the universe would declare him righteous and not guilty and accepted with him. I want you to notice four things about Genesis 5.16 that are quoted here in Galatians 3.6. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned or credited to him as righteousness. Notice, first of all, that the decisive feature of Abraham's faith was that his faith was a surrender to and trust in Jehovah and his word. God, remember, was continually testing Abraham's faith with reference to the sacrifice of his son, with reference to his family and such. And sometimes Abraham was found faithful, and sometimes he wasn't. But notice what his faith was comprised of, surrender and trust. That he surrendered his life, the life of his family, the life of his son, his future, everything about himself, he surrendered to Jehovah and trusted Jehovah's word, whatever he would say. No questions asked. That was the essence of Abraham's faith. That also implied that he renounced any pretended works or merits. That is, he never considered what God promised, whether or not it was attainable by human strength. God says that I, Abraham, a 100-year-old man, am going to have a son. I just don't know about the possibility of that. No, he he never considered what was attainable by human strength or human ability because his faith was not in himself. 
His faith wasn't even in his faith. His faith wasn't in any virtue that his faith might possess. He rested in the Lord God Almighty. And whatever God said, that was the absolute truth for him. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. The second, second thing we see in Abraham is that he was justified by faith alone and not by any human merit or effort. God didn't say, all right, now Abraham, in order for you to be counted as righteous with me and accepted with me, here is what I want you to do. I want you to believe me. Trust yourself to my word and then prove to me that your faith is real by obeying my law. And then after you have proven it to me, after you have done all of these things, then I will declare you righteous. No. On that night, when Abraham was justified by faith alone, Abraham had nothing he had to do. He was called to suffer nothing. He had nothing to sacrifice. He was given no mission to undertake. He was given nothing to promise. He simply believed God and that was all and that was enough. And Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Notice the third thing about this verse. The judgment and judicial assessment of God with reference to Abraham was that of crediting righteousness to Abraham. It says Abraham believed God and God counted it, credited it as righteousness. Now, we've talked about this matter of imputation before. At the heart of the gospel, because of our faith in Christ... God does not impute or give to us our sins, but he imputes Christ's righteousness to us. That is, he doesn't charge us with our own sins. He does, doesn't credit us with our sins, even though we committed those sins. He doesn't count them against us. He doesn't credit them to our account. He erases them and he puts them on the Lord Jesus Christ who then bears them away. Then he takes righteousness out of the life of Christ in his obedience, in his life and death and credits it to us. And he counts it as if we had worked it out ourselves. And on the basis of that righteousness, which is ours only in Christ, credited and imputed to us, we as believers have a right standing with Almighty God. And it's no more clearly said than in 2 Corinthians 15, 19, and 21. Listen. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I would have you look at three phrases from this text. 
It says, God reconciled us in Christ by not counting our trespasses against us. Now, how in the world could he do that? I mean, he knows we are trespassers. He knows we are sinners. And the only way he can reconcile sinners to himself is by erasing the trespasses, by not counting the sins. He knows that we have committed against us. Now, how does he do that? He made him who knew no sin, that is Christ, to be sin on our behalf. That is, he took all of the sin and all of the guilt that was on us and he placed it on the Lord Jesus Christ as our substitute and punished our sins in him. Then it says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, taking our sins and trespasses on himself, bearing them away being punished for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ was clothed with our sins, and now we are clothed with Christ. So when God sees us, he sees us in Christ and accepts us on that basis. As I have said before, it's not enough to have your sins forgiven. I mean, if your sins are forgiven, that erases the reason God is going to judge you. But that does not make you worthy to stand in the presence of God forever because you are still a finite creature. You see, what makes you worthy is to be clothed in Christ Jesus himself in all of his purity. And on the basis of that relationship, on the basis of Christ's worth and Christ's merit, we are accepted with God. Notice the fourth thing about Abraham. It was the faith of Abraham that was credited to him as righteousness. Not his righteousness of character. Not his righteousness of behavior. It doesn't say that Abraham obeyed the law and that obedience was credited as righteousness. It doesn't say that Abraham had a sincere, just character, and that character was credited to him as righteousness. It says that his faith was credited as righteousness, not his integrity, not his character, not his behavior, but his faith. Now, this doesn't mean that faith itself is some kind of meritorious thing. And that because Abraham believed and believed sincerely enough, that faith made enough points with God that it counted something with him. So God justified and saved him because of the points his faith made. Now, if you think that is an extreme, it is actually common among non-reformed evangelicals. And here again, Satan intrudes with his merit. It is common today among non-reformed evangelicals to believe that in order to save sinners, God reduced his demands on us to something we can actually do since we failed at obeying his laws in the Old Testament. 
And that one thing they could do was believe in Jesus. So that if a person believes in Jesus today, that person meets in full what God now requires for salvation. I am thankful I don't live in the Old Testament because he required total obedience to be saved in the Old Testament. But now he realizes that was a mistake. He was demanding too much, so now God has reduced his demands to something that everyone can do so that we can be saved. If we just do this one thing correctly, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. So now, if you want to do that, you've met God's demands for salvation. Hence, your faith deserves salvation. Your faith is credited to you as righteousness instead of having to obey all of God's laws. I hope you recognize that that is salvation by works. But the non-reformed Christian says, faith is work. Faith is something you have to do. God says, I reduced my demands. I'm a loving God, so you don't have to obey all of my laws to be a Christian. All you have to do now is simple. It's easy. It's something anyone can do whenever he has a mind to do so. You simply obey me by believing. That's the only law you have to obey. Believe me, and if you believe me, that will earn you salvation, and I'll credit that faith to you as righteousness because it is righteous. I mean, you obeyed my command. You obeyed me by believing in me, and now I'm going to count to you as righteousness. You did what I told you to be saved. And now I'm going to count that faith as the basis of your salvation. And I will accept you as my child because you obey me perfect in this one thing. And that is, you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you deserve salvation. Well, there is absolutely no truth in that view at all. Not one iota. That view not only flies in the face of the clear teaching of the Bible that Christ's merits and Christ's obedience are the basis of our salvation, not our faith. That faith is only a hand that receives salvation, and there's nothing meritorious about it. And that is a return to the old Judaizer position. You see, Satan just turned things around and takes you back to the old Judaizers. What did the Judaizers say? You've got to believe in Jesus and you have got to do this and this to merit salvation. What do the non-reformed evangelicals say today? You don't merit salvation by obeying all of these laws. You merit salvation by just doing one thing now. Believing in Jesus. And when you do that, you deserve to be saved. And you are right back to the position that Paul wrote the book of Galatians to refute. So what's wrong with this view? Well, first of all, not one person has the ability or the desire to believe. The Bible says we can do absolutely nothing to please God in and of ourselves. We are dead 
in our trespasses and sin. If you think it is easy for an unbeliever, you do not understand either the nature of unbelief or of faith. It is impossible for an unbeliever. It is the last thing on earth he will ever want to do. God's character cannot change. And the law is the written expression of God's character. And for God to reduce the demands of his law is to reduce himself. The demands of God upon every human being remain the same. 100% sinless perfection. If anyone is going to be accepted with a holy God, he will not ever reduce that requirement because to reduce that demand is to reduce himself. And he cannot do that. And if you offer God 100% sinless perfection and obedience, you will be damned forever if you don't or you can't. Sorry. And the only place you're going to get that 100% perfect obedience is from the Lord Jesus Christ's life and death. He lived as our substitute and obeyed God's law perfectly. And he died on the cross as our substitute to take the punishment for our sin. And his obedience in life and death is the basis of our salvation, not our own pathetic obedience. Romans 4 says that this righteousness that is credited to our account is credited by grace. It's not a debt. In other words, when you believe in Jesus, God is not indebted to you. You say, Lord, I've got you in a corner now. I believe in Jesus. Now you are duty-bound to accept me. You are indebted to accept me. No, no, God is not indebted to anyone. If you believe in Jesus, it is because he gave you the gift of faith, and you are indebted to him. You would have never believed if he had not enabled you to believe. Moreover, the Bible says that this righteousness that has been credited to our account is very clearly the righteousness of God. It's not the righteousness of any man. It is something that originates with God. It is something that God bestows. It is righteousness that comes from God. And it is only the righteousness of faith in that faith receives that righteousness and rests upon that righteousness alone for an eternal right standing with God. The Bible says in Romans 3 that the righteousness of God is a righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. It is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You see, faith isn't the basis of our salvation. It's not the cause of our salvation. It's not the reason that God saves us. It is simply the instrument, the means by which you receive your righteousness that comes from God. There's nothing wonderful about your faith. There's nothing meritorious or deserving about your faith. 
God doesn't accept you and me because we believe in Jesus Christ. God accepts us through faith because Christ lived and died for us. And faith is just the empty, outstretched, crippled hand that receives whatever Christ puts in it. The hand is nothing compared to what's put in it. And that is the righteousness of God. It comes from Him. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in Him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.